So again, let me welcome you to Moncton Wesleyan, uh, especially if you're new or if you're newish to Moncton Wesleyan, especially want to welcome you this morning. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're just kind of checking us out. Someone's been inviting you and you're like, oh, okay, I'll go once and um, check it out. We're super glad that you are here. Um, special shout out this morning to people in the balcony. How are you, balcony? You okay up there? <laughs> The rowdies in the balcony, they've been like, we've been waiting years for this balcony to open up again. And they're there in the balcony. Okay, so your mission, balcony, is to fill the balcony. Okay, that's your mission, is to, uh, to fill that balcony. And we can open up the, the, uh, the rest of the balcony. That's awesome. Um, so just to be clear, I won't say this every week, but I'll say it again this week, since this is the first Sunday back to one service. Uh, we're going to one service because we believe in this season we are stronger together. We have a better chance of gaining and sustaining momentum as one. And we can focus as one group. We can focus on, on filling this facility with changed lives. And then we'll eventually need a second service. Okay, so that's why we're doing this. Yeah. And as I've said a couple of times this morning, we're in a season here where we're actually seeing tons of new people. Uh, so like, like it, it sounds like, a, oh, you're going back to one, but it's really like, no, we're going to one. Like, it's, it's just the opposite of that. It's a, it's a positive thing that we're going to one. Uh, lots of new people, salvations, baptisms, and we think this combined service will we'll help us uh, keep the traction going. Lots of awesome happening in every corner, in children's ministry, in youth ministry, in seniors, in care, in work, on and on and on. I could go right through the whole everywhere. There's lots of awesome happening in this place. Um, so don't be shy about coming early. I see there was a lot of folks out there early this morning. Come early, uh, hang out with some people, start a group, you know, discuss your week, maybe a, a Toronto Maple Leaf support group or something like that. Hey, they won last night. Miracles happen. Anything is possible. People, people on the way out, they say, you just stop making, I say, I cheer for the Leafs. They're just, they're just, they're just awful, but I cheer for them. They're my team. Um, so I had an incredible privilege this past week to be at Willow Creek Church in Chicago with about 150 leaders from literally around the world. And it, it was amazing. If you're not familiar with Willow Creek, um, Willow Creek emerged, really emerged 35 years ago as a church to reach people who don't like church. And um, God blessed them. And uh, they run about 25,000 people now. Uh, their auditorium seats 9,000. Our seats 1,800. Um, you, could take our, you could put our auditorium in their lobby and not even trip over it. It's, it's, and it's, but it's so inspiring. Uh, we saw the, all the ministries that they're doing. And we heard from just the best of the best of the, all week long. It was just fire host all week. It was awesome. And... Um, but, but all day Friday, we had their, their lead pastor, Bill Hybels, to ourselves, and he just answered Q&A for the entire day. He just answered Q&A. And just to, just to hear again his passion for the local church, that the local church is the hope of the world, that there's nothing like the local church when it's working right. I mean, I just wanted to, to blast out of there and run home. But like, I was just like, oh, I can't wait for Sunday morning because I believe this to be true to the, with everything that's in me. The church is Jesus' idea. It's Jesus' plan to reach this world. 
And I took oh, more notes than I've ever taken, met some incredible people. And I am more ready than ever to roll up my sleeves with you and to do whatever we need to do to reach our city. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm fired up. Well, we're kicking off a new series today titled The One. It's partly a play on words because, you know, a little bit cute because we're going to one service. So it's, it's the one. Uh, but it's mostly to talk about the one person that Christmas is all about. And uh, when you're two years old, you think that's you. <laughs> but you, Hopefully you realize over time that it's, it's not all about you. Uh, everyone has at least one Christmas memory probably that stands out above all the others. Uh, it might be a happy memory, it might be a sentimental, it might be a little difficult, but you know, if I say just think about one thing, you know, most of us can go there to one thing. Um, one of my earliest Christmas memories was in a, uh, a mobile home on the west side of St. John, that's, that's where we lived when my folks moved off of Grand Manan. Uh I was three and I managed to find them, they were in St. John, in a... <laughs> In a, in a mobile home on the west side of St. John. And um, my brother and I shared a set of bunk beds. I can remember that. Uh, it was Christmas Eve and I could not stop crying. And my older brother, much, much larger than me. He, he's about six foot five now. But he wasn't then. But he was always much bigger than me. Um, he was trying to stop me from crying, which didn't help. You know what I mean? He probably only contributed to the crying. And I can still remember my mother trying to console me. This was Christmas Eve. And when she asked me why I was crying, I said I I was crying because I just, I couldn't find a way to thank Santa for all the gifts. Oh, isn't that precious? Do you remember some of your earliest gifts? Um... And for some of you, you know, when you start thinking about your earliest gift, it might have been something literally um, um, that, your, that your mom made for you or something like that. It, it could have been something very, very simple. Some of you remember Christmases with no gifts. Uh, for some of you, it might have been a, a piece of, of a special cake or a piece of fruit or something like that, literally. Um, I remember some of the gifts that I got as a child, and I started to think back. And actually, I think one of the best gifts we, we got wasn't mine. It, it was my brother's, but it was Smash Up Derby. And it was the best gift ever. It was crazy. You've got to go back to the 70s, right? And think of some of these, some of these gifts. Uh, table hockey games. Oh, man, for hours. Um, had a game called Rebound, which was kind of like shuffleboard and curling on a table. I had that, we had that game. Um, robot boxers. Had that. Uh, Tonka toys. Uh, Operation. Me, ah! I still have issues in my life from me. Just who's the sick person that invented this game? <laughs> Battleship, Lightbright, Stretch Armstrong, Archie Comics, Slinkies. It used to be fun to watch a, a Slinky go down the stairs. That used to be entertainment. Take the iPad out of their hand and give them a slinky. (laughs) See how that works. (laughs) It's it's a metal coil. Oh, thank you. 
that crazy? Um, where am I? Hot Wheel cars, and I actually still, I've got a little Hot Wheel car collection in my office. And if you want to contribute to that, uh, feel free. <laughs> I've got that. Uh, one year, I remember I got a pair of skates and I slept with them on my feet that first night. <laughs> pair of skates. I also had a few hockey coaches over the years that thought I was sleeping with my skates on. All right. So with that, uh, lace up your skates and let's jump into our text, which is actually the text that Pastor Jay um, started the the worship service with um, this morning. It's John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. John 1, 1 through 5. And we're going to put it up here on the screen for you. And uh, let's look at it together. Here we go. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him. Nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. When someone uh, comes to Jesus as a new believer, and uh, that's been happening almost weekly here at Bunk Weston, and we're praying that it'll happen uh, after this message. But when someone comes to Jesus and gets, uh, they're a new believer, and uh, we want them to have a Bible, uh, you can get Bibles at our Welcome Center, or, or however you get a Bible, you might have it on your phone right now, or on your, your device, whatever, but they get a Bible, and we often suggest that they start with the book of John. And so earlier before the service, I was chatting with uh, a lady here in a church out in the lobby, and she was telling me she's all excited about someone who got a, a, a Bible, and, um, and she was helping them to get started Bible reading. And I asked her this because I wanted this you know, for my message. So I said, okay, where did you tell them to start reading? She said, well, I told them the book of John. And I said, I'm going to use that in my, in my sermon. We often tell people, you know, when you get your very first um, Bible to start reading in the book of John, because John was, he was a disciple of Jesus. He lived with Jesus. He traveled with Jesus. He had a, a, a firsthand bird's eye view of the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, even though we're not supposed to have any favorites, John is... Um, John is, he managed to pick up the nickname, the beloved, you know, which probably made all the other disciples groan, like, oh, you you can hear them rolling their eyes, like, oh, the beloved, you know, but he's the one that Jesus loved, and they they referred to him as the beloved, so you're a brand new follower of Jesus, you just got your first Bible, or you're reading the Bible online, or maybe picked up a free Bible at our Welcome Center, or whatever, you're all excited, and somebody says, okay, start reading in the book of John, and so you open it up, and you read what we just read, in the beginning, the Word already existed, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, huh? Like, you're one verse into your new adventure, and you're already, and you're already stumped, like, what you, in the what in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. What? What in the what in the world? And so we're going to unpack this this morning, um, like bringing up the Christmas lights from the basement. How many of you have already decorated? This is kind of like bringing the lights up from the basement. Uh, we're going to unpack this this morning. And and why is it that lights that worked last year, when you bring them up from the basement, all of a sudden there's something in those stairs when you bring them up. That just kills the lights. It just, they, they don't work. Um, John is putting up the Christmas light. 
John is, is what he's doing here in, in the very first of his book is he's just like he's putting up the Christmas light. He's placing Jesus in a prominent position where everyone can see just how awesome he is. John sheds light on the light of the world so that we can be light in the world. You got to get your small L's and your capital L's straight there. John sheds light on the light of the world so that we can be light in the world. Scholars believe that John wrote this letter from Ephesus uh, later in his life and that uh, he wrote the letter to encourage believers, to reinforce and remind them of all the evidence that we have to believe that Jesus is the one. Um, John most likely wrote this letter after the destruction of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was flattened in uh, AD 70. And, And so it's after all of that a time when Jesus' followers were under intense pressure, a time in history when it seemed like the lights were going out, when it seemed like it was getting darker by the day. And John gets out his Christmas lights, and he proclaims a message that is joy to the world. The Lord has come. So, all right, let's unpack this a little bit. One one Christmas box at a time. Let's go back to uh, the beginning of this verse. Where John says this, um, there's just the first three words, in the beginning. Let's start there, in the beginning. I mean, talk about your earliest Christmas memory in the beginning, right? It doesn't go back any further than this. John goes all the way back to creation because, because he wants us to know that Jesus came to this earth in the form of a baby to bring recreation, not recreation, but re creation to anyone who would receive him. In other words, the first baby, Adam, couldn't stay away from from the one tree that would bring death. And Jesus would come into our world as a baby, the second Adam, who would willingly die on a tree in order to save us from our sins. And John connects those dots for us when he says, in the beginning. Just as God spoke the word that brought the very first light into the darkness. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and you start reading, just as God just spoke that very first word that brought light into the darkness in the book of Genesis, he gave the word, capital W, Jesus, to break into our darkness, into our void, and be the light of our world. Bring it down to even a more personal level. When you accept Jesus Christ, when you cross that line of faith, you make that decision to follow him. Maybe it's, it's taking a, a stand in a, in a Sunday morning service at Moncton Wesleyan. When you accept Jesus and choose to follow him, him as your savior, you, you get a new creation. You get a, a new day. You invite Jesus, the, the light of the world, to, to come into the darkness, into the void of your life, to illuminate your life, to drive out every shadow of darkness in your life. Let's keep going. In the beginning, the word already existed. So John refers to Jesus, capital W. John refers to Jesus as the word. He says, in the beginning, the word already existed. And the word, the Greek word for word, the word for the word, are you following that? You to get your capitals in your, in your lowercase figured out here as you follow this morning. The word for the word is a word called logos. 
Logos, L-O-G-O-S. What's the word? Logos. Logos means that, that Jesus is everything. It means that he, he's all-encompassing. He's the full embodiment of creation, of God's plan, God's prophecy, God's providence, God's work of salvation. He's the presence of God. He's the person of God. He's the voice of God. He's everything. He's not part God and part man. He's all God and he's all man. He's everything. This is why he is the inextinguishable light of the world. He's all the power of heaven funneled into a human form. He's radiant. He's brilliant. He's on fire. He's the light of the world. Okay, that's who Jesus is. So when John says, in the beginning, the word Jesus already existed, it's the word logos. And it just means, it just means all of creation, everything, all power of heaven, everything that God is, all of that. It's just, it's just funneled into this one human form, the baby in the manger, his name is Jesus. Now this is where our minds start to hurt and ache a little. I mean, you can scratch your head way out here on this stuff. It's just like, oh, Help me. Hang in there. John says that that Jesus already existed. He was before there was. <laughs> it just hurts. Like, oh. What do you he was before there was. He never wasn't. Right? This is what John says. He was already there. Before there was anything, he was already there. He never wasn't. Oh, help me. Let me ask it this way this morning. Do you want to believe in a, in, a, in a smaller God that you can easily comprehend and wrap your head around? Or do you want to believe and trust a God that is so much greater, that so bigger than what your mind can comprehend, that he's worthy of all your praise, of all your honor, of all your... Your adoration, because because he's just he's just so uh, just so immense. He's just so beyond our capacity. He's God. He's beyond our comprehension. You can't figure him out. You can't hardly explain him. You can't define him. You can't contain him. You can't control him. He's more than this Christmas turkey can fathom. And I, and I think I understand why John was okay with, with starting his book a little. It's difficult. It's not the easiest way to start the book. And we send new believers here and say, hey, here's your Bible. Start reading in the book of John. And, they, and they, in the beginning, the word already existed. And it's, and it's a big thought already. It's like, whoa, heavy. What are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? And I think John was okay with starting his letter with such big, enormous thoughts for us to wrap our heads around. Because the rest of his letter is, 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 you know, I'm going to tell you stuff that is mind-blowing. I'm about to tell you about the life and ministry of a guy named Jesus, and, and it is so awesome. You're not going to be able to, to comprehend all that, all that he is. I'm going to help you see how the creator came into his created in order to save his creation. And John says, it's just, it's just kapow right from the beginning. It's just, it's just, 
It's, it's wild. It's, it's awesome. It's glorious. It's, it's, it's all that and more. He's the Word. He's a Logos. He's, he was before there ever was. His name is Jesus. It's just, it's just it's awesome. Well, let's go on. Uh, the second part of verse 1 all the way to verse 3. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. It doesn't get any easier. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Greek word for nothing means nothing. It, it means nothing. Um, you remember your mama saying, I brought you into this world and I can take you out? That's this verse right here. If you read the whole book of John, if you read the whole book, you'll see in this, this story of Jesus, you'll see that John makes a very clear connection between creation at the very beginning and, and salvation. He ties the two things together beautifully. John shows us that, that everything that is, Everything that God created came through Jesus. Nothing gets into this world unless it goes through Jesus. Nothing gets past him. There are no accidents. Tell the person beside you, you are not an accident. Go ahead. You're not a mistake. Even if your parents didn't know what they were doing... They knew what they were doing. You are not a mistake. It's all God-ordained, and it all goes through Jesus. And then later in the story, if you keep reading the book of John, later in the story we find that the only way out of this world and into the next, the only way out of this world and into God's presence, into heaven, is through Jesus. You can't get to heaven unless you go through Jesus. It's a narrow, it's a narrow door. He's the door leading into this world and he's the door leading out of this world. You can't, you can't get around the cross of Jesus Christ. You have to be confronted by it. You're being confronted by it again this morning. You just, you just simply have to. You have to make a decision this is the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. I mean, life is full of big decisions. There are some whoppers. But the biggest decision you'll ever make is, who will I serve? What do I believe to be true about the cross of Jesus Christ? Did he, did he really die for my sin and was he resurrected? That's the question. And you, and you really can't get around that. And when John wrote this letter, there were all sorts of ideas going around about, about who Jesus was. And people were making their own assumptions. People still do this today, right? They still do. They say, well, that's true for you, but it's not true for me. And in John's day, people were making all sorts of assumptions about, about who Jesus was and creating their own stories and, and, and making Jesus out to be something less than, than who he really was, less than, than, than what God created him to be. And John wasn't having any of that. John would say, like, hey, 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 listen to me. I spent three years of my life with, with, with Jesus. 
I heard every word. I saw every miracle. I know for certain that he was, he was dead. He was dead, dead. He was really dead. And I definitely saw him after the resurrection. In fact, hundreds of us saw him. There were hundreds of eyewitnesses. And John writes this letter to remind the new believers. that, And, and it's a reminder to us this morning that we don't follow a hoax. We don't follow a hallucination. We are not deceived. We are not delirious. And for John and his crowd, he was saying, hey, we are first generation eyewitnesses to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we will follow him and we will serve him and we will love others the way that he loved us, even if it cost us our very life. And the message is just as true today for us. It is. Okay. Verse four. Let's go to verse four. And we've bolded a few words here because this is where it really gets fun. You thought it was fun. This is where it really, really gets interesting right here. This is verse 4. The word Jesus, Logos, Jesus, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. Remember in the offering time, I said that God is a giving God. We're going to see that in, uh, in, the, in the book of John this morning. He gave life and he brought light. He gives life, and he brings light. John, you're brilliant. You're brilliant. One sentence that essentially covers the story from from cover to cover. That God brings life. He gives life, and he brings light. From creation to revelation, Jesus gives life from the very beginning and then at just the right time, at the appointed time, when, when possibly the world was at its very darkest, Jesus literally burst into our world, bringing the light and hope of heaven. He is the light of the world. So for a moment, let's just talk about gives life. He gives life. No new life happens without the touch of God. He's the author of every life. Every life is a gift from God. And, and John, um, a little later on, a couple chapters later, he's writing, and he, he remembers this one particular encounter when, when Jesus was approached at night. John says, you know, remember it clearly. It was, it was later in the day. It was dark. And a man named Nicodemus approaches Jesus and, and, and engages him in a conversation about, about these things. And Nicodemus was a, was a Pharisee. He was one of the leaders. And... Um, and he comes to Jesus as, at night. He's, he's a seeker. He's, he's curious about Jesus. He sees something different in Jesus. He hears a message that Jesus is teaching. Like It's, just, it's unlike anything he has ever heard before. And he comes to him and he, and he starts asking him some, some questions. And Jesus, in this, in this exchange, this interaction with, with Nicodemus, um, Jesus uses a, a, a phrase there that, that, that we still use today. And he says to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 3, he says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again. And the the born again phrase means it's it's God giving life. In other words, it's it's Nicodemus, you're you're alive, you're breathing and all that, but spiritually you're dead. And and in order for you to to be eternally right with your creator... You've got to be born again. You've got to allow God to breathe new life into you. God is a life-giving God. And without that, unless you are born again, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God. 
When John says that the word gave life to everything that, that was created, he's also saying that Jesus is the only one who can take a spiritually dead person and breathe new life into their soul. He's the giver of eternal life. He's not just a, a metaphorical light of the world. That's more than just a, an expression. He's the light of your world. He's the one who can help you make sense of this world. He's the one who can help you push back the darkness of your world. He removes the stains and he calms our fears and he quiets our storms. And and you don't have to wander. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to be overcome by the darkness because Jesus has overcome the world and he wants to give you life and he wants to bring light into your world. Now there's, there's more here that John does with these two phrases, gave life and brought light. There's, there's, there's even more that he does here when he says this. When we believe in, in Jesus, God gives us new Life, And when we follow Jesus, he is our light. Let me go over that again. When you believe in him, in that moment when you make that decision, you, you cross that line of faith. He, he, he gives new life. And then the second part of it is, is true as well, brought light. The second part of that is true. When you follow him, he gives you light. It's not just believe. It's not just follow. It's both. We need to believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior so that we can receive new life. And then we need to follow him on a daily basis so that he can bring light into our lives. These two phrases capture what it means to go from religion to relationship. From, from knowing about a God who was, who was going to send his Messiah to actually believing in him and, and following him, receiving new life and walking in his light. This is the difference between knowing about Christmas or celebrating Christmas or being, you know, getting wrapped up in Christmas. This is the difference between all of those things and actually, actually having the light of Christmas living in your life and having a relationship with the Jesus of Christmas. Isn't that awesome? John does all of that in one verse. It's just like, dude... Really? That says it. That's, that says it all. Brother, good job. That says it all. It's like the word. This is the word, Jesus. He, he, he gives life to everything that is created. And then he brings light on a daily, continual, minute by minute um, basis. He's the, he's the light of the world and he wants to be the light of your world. The two ideas are inseparable. It's not enough to just believe. We have to follow He's both life and light. He makes us new, and then he wants to lead us by the truth of his light. Okay, verse 5. Wow. Verse 5. This is a great verse. Uh, This is a great Christmas verse. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never, ever, ever, Ever extinguish it. The word uh, light here, as I've said a couple of times this morning, um, actually what we should have done to help you is we should have put a, a capital L in brackets and then a small L. We should have put capital L and small L 
on this word at, at the same time. That's, that's the way you need to read it. That's the way you need to, to understand it and, and think about it. Um, John is referring to Jesus, the word, as the light. And then later in this letter, John quotes Jesus when he refers to himself as the light. Uh, it's John chapter 8, verse 12. John 8, verse 12 says this. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. He was pretty clear about who, who he was. He knew exactly who he was. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Isn't that awesome? John chapter 8, verse 12. So John's referring to big light, capital L light. And then he's also referring to small l light as everything that, that, everything that pours out of the life and ministry of Jesus. All of Jesus that we can get. Every, 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 um, every amount of Jesus that we can have in our lives, in our world, that, that light shining through us, that light going before us, that light that, that, that helps us to, to understand whatever is, is wrong in this world, whatever injustice, um, racial tensions and, and inequalities that we've seen recently in the news, terrorism, natural disasters, disease, war, famine, poverty, whatever is wrong in, in, in our world, whatever's wrong in, in your world, unforgiveness, shame, addictions, mental illness, financial challenges, relationships, whatever, wherever the world is broken and darkness has filled that space, Jesus is the light. And it's his light and his love and grace. Yes, it's, it's all that. God's love and his grace and and his forgiveness, his healing, his restoration that can pierce through any darkness and restore it and redeem it and return it back to God's glory. Where's that verse again? Let's get that verse back up there again. Ah, and the darkness can never, there is no amount of darkness that can ever, ever extinguish the light of Jesus. Jesus is not going out. He's not, he's not going out. And, and I know, I feel the same way. You feel, I, there's days when I feel overwhelmed. There's days when you just, you just look at the world around you and you think about what's going on in your own life and you think, oh, God help us, right? You just think, where is this world going? What, what is going to happen? I, well, let me tell you, Jesus always, just as John said, he always was the light. He is the light. He'll always be the light. And, and regardless of what happens on this big ball of dirt and regardless of how messed up it gets, regardless of how dark it gets, it will never, ever extinguish the light of Jesus Christ. Never. Never. Now, I'm saying whatever darkness, and I, and I, and I, and I want it to be, I want God to make it personal for you as well and, and for you to think, you know, what are the areas in my life where uh, maybe I've closed the door. Uh, maybe it's under the rug. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just darker than it needs to be. What are the areas in my life that, that if, I, if, if, if I broke that open this morning uh, with, with surrender, with maybe just coming clean before God, with maybe just, 
just saying, yeah, Lord, yeah, I'm listening. If, 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 I, if I crack that open here this morning, that God would fill that with his light. That his light would just come in. And, and when it does, when the light of Jesus comes in to whatever area that is in your life, he restores, he redeems, he returns it. He, he, he makes it brand new. He brings new life into whatever that is in, in our lives. I can't fully explain how God works. I, I'm not going to stand up here this morning and say, I got it all figured out. I can't fully explain. I, I don't know why he chooses to immediately intervene in some situations. In other times, it's, it's wait or not yet. I don't know why this life is difficult and sometimes we don't have all the answers. I, but I do know that his promises are true. I do know that. I found them to be true in my own life. And if he came to be the light of your darkness, then I believe that he can illuminate and pierce every area of your life. And it's just like Christmas when you were a kid. You might not get all that you're asking for, but you will get his presence. You will get peace. You'll get unconditional love. You'll get wisdom. Uh, you'll get the presence of God that will just carry you even through the darkest valleys of life. One last verse and then we're done. Listen to, how, listen to how John closes his letter. This is the very last verse, okay? So in light of all that we've, we've read and thought about this morning, this is the very last verse in the Gospel of John. John 20, verse 31. He says this, These are written, I wrote this, so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. It's just like bookends. It's the way he starts it. It's the way he ends it. He's convinced, and I am as well, that Jesus is the light, and he wants to be the light of your life, of your world this Christmas, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you this morning for, for John, this, this man who, this friend of yours, this man who knew you intimately, and he knew you were the Son of God. And, and he, he writes this letter as passionately as he can to help people like us understand what it means to have new life by believing in you and then to, to live that life walking in your light, inviting your light to come into every area of our lives, your light to go before us in the darkness. So God, I just thank you for your word this morning, how it, it just comes alive in your presence. Lord, I know that you're speaking to many people here this morning. There are some, probably many, who, who realize some areas in their lives where they, they need more of your light. And they're opening up those areas to you right now. And I pray, God, that you would minister to them, 
just surround them with your love, grace, forgiveness. Lord, there are others here this morning who, who maybe today's the day when they need to start a new relationship with you and, and declare that they are believing in you to be their savior and that they're going to follow you the rest of their lives. And so God, be with us in these next few moments as we worship together and surrender our lives to you. I pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen.